a new search engine for the Chinese market, one that would function in compliance with Beijing's strict rules on censorship. Remember, it was just eight years ago that Google abandoned mainland China because it refused to comply. A story from news site The Intercept. According to internal Google documents, Google is in the planning stages of launching its search engine in China. About a month ago, some documents were leaked, showing more or less definite proof that Google in secret had been working on a search app, censored and adapted for the Chinese market. This stirred up quite a lot of discussions about the supposedly, you know, American free speech Google now ready to cave in to the Chinese government. And as many other cases, the discussion about Google's to be or not to be in China is a little bit oversimplified. In an organization that talks up transparency, it is ironic that only a handful of the company's 88,000 employees knew about this project. I'm not concerned about it. I'm outraged by it. Is there a Project Dragonfly? And if there is, what is it? Uh, There is a Project Dragonfly. So what was your first reaction when you read about this? To be honest, part of me was thinking, oh, it finally happened, because in the reporter circle, at least, I think a lot of foreign journalists have been trying to find evidence or have been following Google's activity in China, Mm -hmm. especially with Facebook and Zuckerberg making so many trips and attempts to enter China in the past few years. Everyone was thinking Google must be thinking about this at some point. Um, And I was quite surprised by the harsh reaction when the news broke out because, from my perspective, tech companies are not moral entities and their primary goal is to make money. I guess what I'm saying is that I think it's not really useful to expect companies to be moral, but they should be held, obviously, accountable for their actions. So for me, I was surprised that people were quoting like the don't be evil slogan uh, because tech companies are not angels, you know. Yeah, a little bit naive, actually. A bit naive. And then also Google has been in China, even though they pulled out their search engine almost a decade ago, they've still been active in China and interested in the Chinese market. Yeah, so that's why I'm super excited about this topic, because it's as much about Google as it is about the power shifting when it comes to the digital economy. Welcome to Digitally China. A podcast about the fascinating Chinese Chinese tech industry industry. created together with Radii. I'm Eva. I'm Jacob. And I'm Tom. So according to various studies, China's gaming industry is now in fact the largest in the world. You may know their messaging app called WeChat. Chinese outbound M&A. Chinese corporates are buying international companies at a record pace. The hottest phone you've probably never heard of. China's Xiaomi, yes, it's state, it's claim to Apple's credit. Major deal over in China, you have Chinese tech giant Tencent leading an $8.6 billion acquisition to buy a major stake in Supercell. $14.3 billion in sales clocked by a Chinese e-commerce site in one wild day. Today we'll discuss two main topics, the actual leaks and what will happen when or if Google launches their new censored search for China. And the larger picture, Google's interest in China seems to have accelerated lately, so why is that? When reading the reactions to Google's secret censored search, it's easy to get the impression that they aren't active in China, but it's actually the opposite, like you mentioned, Eva. They do have offices here. 
Some of it is sales-oriented, I believe, and I know that they have developers here and they build products for the global market. Mm -hmm. um, and also Google ads, right? So search ads and things like that. Companies in China are very much buying ads uh, for Google. So despite them actually exiting with their search engine almost a decade ago, they've actually been pushing pretty hard the last eight or so years especially around them, you know, being a thought leader when it comes to new frameworks and for developers. They've been very low-key, but I would say that their commitment has been steady and consistent. So they have a huge community of developers that they've steadily tried to grow in China over the past, uh, I would say, 10 years. So it's called Google Developer Group, and this is actually present around the world. Google does this in every country. Um, and in China, they've done this since 2009, so that's quite a long time ago. And from what I know, having spoken to the head of China's GDG, China has like the one of the biggest memberships. And of course, that might just have to do with China's scale, but you can see that they've clearly not given up on the Chinese market. And I think with AI, that's also a new channel for Google to get more involved in China. So it's really like a opportunity to evangelize Google products like Android, doing stuff like with ads on YouTube, Play Store, and now they want more Chinese developers, obviously, to get on their AI framework or even working with Chinese companies and service them that way. Which actually brings us to what Google have been doing more or less for the last six to nine months here in China. At least my perception is that they've accelerated quite a lot. So they've invested in JD, Jingdong, which is the main competitor to Alibaba. They have done this big IP deal with Tencent, more or less protect both parties against infringements. And they've also started an AI lab in Beijing, right? Right. And all of this has happened basically during the past six months. Right, six months to a year, I would say, yeah. And with the increased activity lately, I think one of the main outputs were that sketch game. Right, so that's like a kind of an embedded app inside of WeChat where you basically play Pictionary with Google's AI. You draw something and it guesses what it is. But what I do think is really great for Google is they got basically free training for their image recognition algorithm that, that plays Pictionary with you. I mean, that's one of the huge benefits, right? And it kind of hints at what Google could get out of entering the Chinese market at a larger scale. But if we look at the sketch game, it was kind of a historic moment. Because as we mentioned before, most B2C products that Google have are blocked in China. Android is basically just backend that they supply to actual smartphone uh, makers mm -hmm. and brands in China. Yeah. And obviously YouTube and all of the other services and Google.com. Right. So if we look at the sketch game, it was actually the first B2C product they launched on the Chinese market since Google Translate that yeah. hit a lot of users. Right. That's true. And around that timing, it became pretty big news because especially people in China were then starting to talk about, oh, shit, are they like on their way into the market and not? Right. And then it's kind of interesting with the timing of this leak, then that happened. And we actually got the confirmation that they were and have been planning to enter the Chinese market for a pretty long time. 
from the reporting side, like once these things come out, like even things like, for example, last year, at the end of last year, I believe that's when the AI lab in Beijing opened. In January, Google also made its second investment in a Chinese startup called Chushou. It's a live streaming service just for mobile games. Mm-hmm. And so when all these things happen, of course, it catches the eye of reporters, which means they have more incentive to kind of dig deeper. Yeah. So the timing might just be because of that. So if we just for a moment zoom in on the actual leaks, so Google's supposedly secret new censored search app. The first thing that hit me, why is it so weird that Google are actually planning on doing this? Isn't this kind of a natural step in their ambitions to go global? I think part of the reason why this rubbed a lot of people the wrong way or surprised everyone is just the secrecy around it. I mean, obviously, in hindsight, it's very logical that they wouldn't want this to be a very public project. But I think as an employee of Google, maybe knowing that there's some secret project involving the Chinese government and that people have been working on this since, um, I think the report said uh, last spring, can be jarring to people, right? I think a lot of people who aren't watching China, they don't know that Google's been active in China. They don't know the details around this. So then when you hear about it, especially with the trade war going on in the background, I guess if you just try to think of this from the point of view of an everyday American who's not following China It probably sounds a bit shocking, right? Uh, I mean, like, Google launched actually in China end of 2000, and then it was uncensored. But pretty quickly, like in 2002, they started getting blocked. And after that, they started to censor themselves and actually ran a censored version of Google, the search engine, until 2010 when they shut it off. And the main reason shutting off wasn't actually because you know, Chinese law had them censoring the search engine, it was due to security reasons. So something um, that I think also makes this moment a bit different from the past is that I mentioned the trade war very briefly before. I think something that's been brought up in that context is the idea of punishing China for IP theft, intellectual property, like this idea that China has been taking it uh, from U.S. companies. So the fact that Google now wants to enter China and work with China in this way, also secretly, probably for some Americans, uh, signals, you know, an effort to undermine this kind of punishment of China's IP theft. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I mean, if you're extreme about it and go all Trump about it, then you could say they're actually, you know, being traitors and all that. Yeah, I think now the narrative is a bit different in terms Mm -hmm. of China-U.S. relations, and that probably also plays into how people feel about this report. Mm -hmm. For Google and I think other companies like Facebook, there's been kind of a reckoning in the past half year where there's just been more attention from media and also the public about how their technology is used outside of the U.S. And I think people have just cared about that more now. You know, last year there was a recent report about how, say, Facebook was used in Myanmar and how it contributed to, you know, radicalization over there and how in some countries Facebook is the Internet, you know. And I think that people are starting to think about what kind of responsibility tech companies have in all these different markets or how their technology is used. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a question that goes beyond this particular episode, But it's a tension between like, oh, it's good technology, we can't control how it's used, to, well, I guess in this case, it would be like, you can control how it's used if you just don't enter the market. And I think you could argue it both ways, right? Something else that has become more prominent in the past few months 
related to Google and rising U.S.-China tensions is human rights abuses. So this year, there's been a lot of great investigative reporting about these, quote, re-education camps in Xinjiang, which is a northwestern province in China. There's a Muslim minority there called Uyghurs, and a lot of Uyghurs have been rounded up, um, and they basically stay there indefinitely. There's no due process, of course. They're just taken. U.S. politicians have also started to criticize, criticize China's approach to Xinjiang to its Muslim minority, uh, notably U.S. Senator Marco Rubio. And so I think along with this conversation, you know, when human rights groups are criticizing Google's Dragonfly or censor search engine, this, of course, becomes more sensitive and more of a hot button issue. So, I mean, that's something that we shouldn't downplay. The main thing in this whole discussion is that I just still don't get why they want to enter the search market in China. I mean, that's already won by Baidu. And Baidu got years of experience of servicing the Chinese market. And how the hell are Google supposed to be able to get the same product out of the market? And secondly... Everything is mobile and social and WeChat now in China. So even if you do a good search engine, half of the content of the Chinese internet, you can't access it as Google anyways. Well, something I thought about before, so when before all this stuff came out, I was just thinking about the different ways that Google and Facebook have approached the Chinese market. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they have a very different business. You know, Facebook is social and... If you block social, maybe they have a smaller ad business than Google, right? Yeah. Um, that's my long-winded way of saying, kind of just claiming that they're totally different, so maybe comparing them is not totally great. But Google, even for the past 10 years, they've been slowly operating in China, trying to grow their developer community. And at that point, you could be like, why would they do that? They're totally blocked. Like, what's the point of them continuing to pour resources into China? Yeah. Now, I think their attitude is still the same, which is that, you know, success in China isn't guaranteed, but you kind of do it bit by bit. You launch a search engine, you start partnering with the largest, most successful tech companies in China, and you kind of see where that brings you. So I think they probably have a very long-term approach. They don't see it as like, we're going to beat Baidu, although from the Intercept's reports, they said that they wanted to make sure they could compete with Baidu. You know, it's not just a search engine. They're definitely still bullish on AI in China. So I think it's, you can't just look at it as uh, kind of one product. Uh, I think it's part of a larger strategy for sure. Which brings us to the most interesting thing to talk about. What is that larger strategy, right? What's your theory? I know you're dying to <laughs> share your <laughs> what, what you've been speculating. No, but I mean, number one, there's got to be a larger strategy because the strategy cannot be only just to launch a search app for a market that don't necessarily need a new search app. Yeah, but many people hate Baidu's search engine. I mean, a lot of people just say that it sucks because it's optimized for advertisers, not users. Come on, it's not a great search app, right? Like, if there was a better one, don't you think Google could at least get some users? Yeah, but it's about the point getting in the position where you can build a better one. I mean, search is so much based on the hyped up algorithms, understanding what users want when they search, like contextual understanding of the websites you crawl, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. And that Google haven't been doing for eight years in China. It's a Chinese language and Chinese context. 
So how the hell are they supposed to actually produce something that can do that? But I think they have time to develop this because they're not dependent on the Chinese market, right, to succeed or get cash or whatever. So they can roll this out. And, you know, you mentioned Tencent earlier. Tencent also now, like last year, just started to do their own search, embedded search section Mm -hmm. in WeChat. Google could help them do that. I mean, I think there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, I think that's a possibility because Tencent search sucks even more than Baidu search. Right. So it's apparent Tencent is not a search company. And despite all the data they've got, they managed to launch like one of the worst search products that I've ever seen. Right. So in that case, maybe Tencent would really benefit from Google's technical expertise. Considering everything happening, it's really hard to theorize about uh, what Google's larger plan for China is. But we could just cover a little bit about the actual opportunities that we see here Mm. in China for any tech company, but mostly maybe Google, considering what they already own abroad. So besides AI that we already mentioned, which is a pretty big deal and critical for any tech company right now, long term, because it's quite apparent how strong and important AI is going to be and feed kind of the next wave of innovation. Besides that, we could talk a little bit about Android. Okay. At least I forget quite often that Android is owned by Google. It just feels like a thing that got created by the people for the people, you know? I think that's really the strength of open source, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, it's been remixed into other operating systems, but it's so widely used because of that, right? Yeah, but if you look at Android, it's kind of been a really good distribution channel. So it's been really good for them to roll out the usage of Google Maps and Google Translate or, you know, all the apps right, they have. Right, right, And it's also been a really good way for Google to collect data to make their services better. So if we just look at the voice recognition part, like Google has benefited substantially from having Android, right? right. Okay. But there's a new trend happening, which is that Chinese smartphone brands are taking over the world. Huawei, yeah. Xiaomi, etc. Yeah. And they aren't integrated with Google because their first product started in China yeah. with an Android that's not integrated at all because Google are blocked. Yeah. And if I were Google or if I were like the person in charge of Android, I would see that as a huge threat because basically... If Huawei continues to roll out, you know, their phones and actually grabbing larger market shares and let's say becomes the dominating smartphone maker in the world, Google just lost their distribution channel for Mm. everything. Yeah. And Huawei can do that because they actually only developed the stores by themselves because they had to. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So if they enter China, they could kind of reclaim or reassert themselves. Yeah. And building closer ties with these companies. And it's pretty apparent that the... Chinese hardware companies are going to own the world market for a pretty long time, at least on the Android side. So if we look at India, I mean, OnePlus, another Chinese smartphone brand, has larger market share than Apple. And then we have Xiaomi in there, and then we have Huawei in there. Vivo. Exactly. And their entire product culture is doing a product without Google. And you think that Google re-entering China could change that? Like, it's not even close to guaranteed, and I I would have no idea how they would do that. But at least it would be a good first step to actually be in China to work closely with these hardware manufacturers. And I guess, like, if they they had it opened up here with the Play Store and stuff, it's another distribution channel. And maybe some other developers, they'll see that as an opportunity, right? I remember when I first moved to China, I actually did a little bit of work launching a new app. Mm -hmm. It was an Android app. And I was just stunned by how many Android app stores are in China. I think there there are hundreds. Of course, the market share is very fragmented, and there's obviously some that are much more dominant. 
but it makes it really tough. And for every app store, you have to work with them individually and kind of negotiate the prices, um, the ranking, right? It's incredibly complicated to launch an Android app here, or more complicated than in the U.S., where you just kind of go in the app store. And yeah. It's very easy. Maybe Google could could fix that problem here, uh, or at least be part of that ecosystem instead of entirely being left out from the largest Android market in the world. At the same time as those players dominating this local market are taking over the rest of the world. <laughs> Okay, so what's your third conspiracy theory? My third is the most extreme one. Okay, I'm ready. I'm sitting down. <laughs> Which is that Google and Tencent are going to merge. Do you want to explain your thought process? So Google lost social entirely globally, and they've epically failed, as we know from a very long time ago. With Google+. Plus. With Google+. Plus. <laughs> anyway, so they failed social, thus they must merge with Tencent. <laughs> no, okay, I just said that to be extreme, to get your attention. But on a more serious note, I actually mean that we would see a much tighter partnership and that would actually be a larger plan in terms of how they would enter the market, but also because it's very apparent the different gains. Like like you mentioned, Tencent would really, really gain by having a high-tech partner running their search operations. And that would actually make sense for Google to become WeChat's search engine. After being here for several years, what I've observed is that even when things make business sense, like you can outline objectively how it would be win-win. So what I'm saying is that, yes, I can see how the partnership would work. You know, Google brings the tech, Tencent brings the social, and obviously Tencent could be a good partner for Google and China. What I'm saying is that any kind of clashes between the, the two companies' management so office politics or clashes between their culture, how they work, could kind of destroy that possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And we rarely see big deals like this happening. But the reason I'm bringing it up is that it's kind of interesting because Tencent wants to go global. And JD, for example, which is a more or less a Tencent portfolio company, also wants to go global. They accepted an investment from Google in order to help them going global. Mm -hmm. And Google on the American or European market, they're really trying to navigate where they should be in the future, like versus Amazon and Facebook. Right. And then if if you look at the Chinese giants wanting to go abroad, they actually fill all of those kind of empty spaces for Google when it comes yeah. to e-commerce or social or yeah. payments. So it would make sense that Google would see parts of their like China strategy to get closer with these companies and build alliances, maybe more than merging with them. Right, for sure. I mean, if one was prone to speculation... You could even think like, oh, like with the live streaming of mobile games, Tencent's pretty strong in mobile gaming. But um, I don't know. I think it's funny because like if you hang out in the tech and startup community in China, especially among foreigners, a lot of people kind of separate politics and business. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and it makes sense because sometimes you can do that. And it's more convenient to think about it that way. But I think with these big high-profile companies and partnerships, it's going to be very important that they navigate that if Google wants to work closely with Tencent, which is maybe, again, why the search engine is a good idea to, you know, foster goodwill. Or, you know, you mentioned, like, it really shows, like, hey, 
we'll we'll do whatever you want. We'll censor search engine, which is what we pulled out before due to political reasons, but we've changed your mind. So maybe the search engine is like a kind of a white flag. And right now it actually makes sense to do that white flag due to a worsening climate for tech giants in Europe and the US. Right. And due to the future being AI and also due to the strength of some of the Chinese tech companies and they're actually going to start threatening the American giants from a totally different angle. Right, but at the same time, you know, with international human rights organizations and U.S. politicians banding together and criticizing Google for their plans, I think it at this point it might be harder than they anticipated. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it's pretty clear they wanted this to be a secret for a pretty long time until they were ready or until the climate or the timing was right for any right. type of announcement or rumor to get started from their PR staff. Right. So the future is really hard to tell, but this discussion is actually very interesting just from the perspective that we're seeing definite actions being done by these American Silicon Valley giants that are kind of showcasing that they also think that a lot of the power, the technological future, has shifted over to the East. Mm. Not that it's moved, but some of that has been distributed to the East. So this episode has actually taken a lot of time to produce, mainly because we made the first recordings a month ago approximately, to get ready for this launch. So basically, where we finished our last recording was talking about the potential implications of if Google is going to enter China and the probability that they won't be as aggressive due to all the negative PR. And then something happened. Given our history, it's a a more uh, weighty topic. The reason we did the internal project was... We wanted to learn what it would look like if Google were to operate in China. There are many, many areas where we would provide information better than what's available. Yeah, I think everyone was pretty surprised when Google CEO Sundar Pichai was on stage at one of Wired's conferences, and he was very frank and very open about Google's interest in China. He said that Google can handle 99% of queries in China. I mean, that being said, he also said that Google's not sure whether or not they'll launch the product. So they're still kind of hedging their plans a bit. But I was pretty surprised that the CEO just came out and said that. Yeah, it's a really big surprise considering all the negative feedback and also considering a lot of other things that happened to Google lately, especially the case regarding Andy Rubin. Yeah, I mean, that New York Times piece, I think, was a bombshell for a lot of people. Last week, there was a lot of um, Google employees who walked out and did like a protest um, to show their solidarity with the Me Too movement. So I think Google employees are pretty upset um, and angered by the fact that so many executives received, you know, absurd exit packages Um so that Google could cover up claims of sexual harassment. Yeah, that in combination with this whole China story doesn't really feel that, you know, they are that don't do evil motto anymore. Yeah, I think this year has been a reckoning for Google, um, definitely on the publicity side. And it's in this position where it really needs to find other ways to keep its business afloat, especially since search revenues are projected to decline. Okay, but let's pause for a bit and zoom in on 
the Google CEO's statement and his you know, responses on stage. For me, it was a kind of big surprise that he used that simple argument of saying that he could serve 99% of the searches because that is not the actual issue at hand, right? The criticism is that there's a bunch of searches you're not allowed to do in China. Yeah, their framing now is that there's hundreds of millions of internet users in China and there's a lot of fake queries regarding healthcare-related questions. Um, It's kind of a not-so-subtle dig at Baidu, which has gone under fire multiple times in the past few years about serving up ads for questionable or experimental medical procedures resulting in deaths of very young people. So I think that's how they're trying to frame it, which is by not participating, we're doing a disservice to Chinese internet users versus if we enter this market, we are working with the Communist Party of China. You know, before this episode, I googled around one Google actually started to censor the search engine by themselves, you know, without any government intervention. And the official statements around exactly when they started censoring many years ago in China is more or less exactly what he said on stage now. So it's kind of interesting that they don't even try to find a new angle on it. Honestly, I don't know that there's that many ways you could spin this. People have pointed at Bing. I think in the US people don't even think about Bing because it's so inferior to Google search engine. But it's been in China for many years and I think the the line that a lot of companies in China use is, you know, we respect and act according to laws in the countries that we operate, which I think completely pushes off any kind of accountability towards what those laws require you to do in that country. But I don't think Google can really spin it any other way, right? Yeah, and we're seeing that trend from a lot of Western tech companies right now, right? Where they're realizing that, you know, innovation is coming out of China, and especially for AI, like we mentioned before, it's kind of important to be positioned in this country with real business and real products. Otherwise, long term, you might lose out. Right. And I think it's also coming at a time where a lot of American tech companies are under increasing scrutiny and pressure from both consumers and also regulators. So I think in Google's case, I think Google's in a disadvantaged position where I think they probably need China more than China needs Google. So yeah, in China, I guess maybe part of Google's mentality is that they can push out a search engine with a partner or on their own, right? There's an unnamed Chinese partner from Intercept's documents. Um, And in that way, they could start learning the Chinese market, because I think you also mentioned this, which is Google's at a huge disadvantage in China because they don't have so much information about Chinese consumers. You know, one of the biggest digital advertisers in China is actually Alibaba, right? Not Baidu. So I think Google will really have to play catch up and it will have to work with local companies to do that. So even though things are still in flux... Uh, I suspect maybe in a few weeks or months we'll have to maybe re-record or even put out a new episode about this. Um, I think what this whole Google China episode shows is that is a power shift, especially in the tech and business community when it comes to China. And maybe Google now is a bit late in realizing that China is too big for them to ignore at the present, especially with them suffering publicity-wise and also with antitrust laws in Europe. We'll see more examples of tech companies or companies in general making concessions to continue to stay in the Chinese market. 
Yeah, exactly. If we look at the older generation of American tech companies actually complying with Chinese law, they did it to open up a domestic market. So Microsoft has made a lot of money here in China, right, yeah. by complying. And they actually Apple, right? And Apple as well. Yeah. And and I think that trend is just going to accelerate because now American giants need to comply with Chinese law not only to open up the domestic market like Google with their search, but also from the perspective that a lot of the innovation from China is going to feed the global development. So if you're not kind of part of that journey, then you might lose your position of being a leading tech company in the next, let's say, 10 years. Right. And that's why it's so important to understand what's happening in China and why it's becoming increasingly important for even American companies and how that's going to impact them in the future. As always, thank you for listening. And this is our first discussion type episode, and we'd love to hear your feedback. If you haven't listened to our Luck and Coffee episode, that's our pilot episode. You can hear that. The format's a bit different. It's more of an exploration of a a new business or company in China. So we'd love to get your thoughts on that. This is the first episode we're doing about Google and China, but it's probably not the last one. And we'll be able to revisit this topic many more times. This potential re-entry into China signals a major policy U-turn involving one of the biggest tech companies on the planet and the world's largest market. Here they are, number one, they won't work for the Department of Defense because they don't want to be involved in killing people. But on the other hand, they work closely with a university in China that provides all of the technology for the Chinese military. And so Google has been trying to get permission from the Chinese government to launch this censored search app in China. Digitally China is produced by me, Jacob Levin, Eva Xiao, and Tom Shaw, and it's powered by Radii, an independent media platform exploring culture, innovation, and life in China. You can find them at radiichina.com. Thank you for listening.